Welcome to Ageless by Rescue. This podcast is devoted to exploring the science of rejuvenation, uncovering the most trusted experts, the must-have products, innovations, and technology in the field of vitality, aesthetics, new beauty, and cosmetic enhancement. So this is an episode dedicated to living life to the max. This conversation is with Lisa Messenger, a serial entrepreneur and author. Lisa Messenger is the CEO of the Messenger Group, as well as the founder and editor-in-chief of The Collective Hub. She previously worked globally in events, sponsorship, marketing, PR, and publishing, and she has authored and co-authored 36 books and is now regarded as an authority in the startup scene. She encourages an entrepreneurial spirit, creativity, innovation, and really lives life to the absolute max. Lisa is also no stranger to the art of reinvention, achieving massive career and personal pivots with energy and a vigor few can replicate. She is the living embodiment of energy and totally performance-driven, as well as an advocate for living your best life at any age. In this episode, Lisa shares her remarkable journey from recovery, sobriety, and personal development work that she credits for changing her life. We also talk about building a life that is centered on purpose and priorities and the mentors, tools, and rituals that she's used to uplevel every single aspect of her life. With fans including Sir Richard Branson, New York Times bestselling author Bradley Trevor Grieve, and a highly engaged social media following of over 350,000 people, Lisa's vision is to build a community of like-minded people who want to change the world, and we will have what she's having. I'm so excited to introduce you and uh, welcome my beautiful friend, Lisa Messenger, on the Ageless by Rescue podcast. This has been a long time in the making. We haven't really been able to see each other properly because of all these damned lockdowns, but here you are on Zoom. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I know, I feel like last time you were generous enough to have me on your podcast, which was a few years ago, we actually did it in person, which was beautiful. And yeah, but it's nice to see your gorgeous face here. So thank you. This is such a um, great episode and the timing is actually perfect. I was listening, I was telling you this before, I was listening to a podcast by Professor David Sinclair on his Lifespan podcast. And he was talking about all this work and science that's related to rejuvenation, uh, extending life expectancy. Uh, One of the big impacts it's going to have is that we are going to have in our lifetime multiple careers. And he was telling the example of his father, who's 80, who took a skill badical where, you know, he retired from his profession of, you know, however many years and then reskilled and launched an entirely new career based on his passion. And your latest book, uh, The Great Resignation, really hits <laughs> on that global nerve that we've all experienced. Um, Tell me about your um, experience and also a little bit about the book, because I think it's just so timely that once again, you've just, you know, picked the moment so perfectly. (laughs) 
Thank you. You just, you prompted so many things there. So like we could spend the next hour, I'm sure, uncovering and probably will. So many topics and apologies. The great Zoom, I can hear a truck outside my window who's deciding to continue to reverse. So hopefully that's not coming through. Um, I love that. I love this whole kind of reskilling at any age and stage. And I think it's such an important thing. And it's really, and I, and I love what you bring so often to our conversations. It always makes me think, and it's like thought prompters for so much stuff. It's really interesting because I often say, I've had my own business now since 2001. So October 2001. So it's like, I'm in my 21st year of owning my own business. So I'm kind of like the ultimate hypocrite in a way because sometimes I look at people who've been in a job for years and years and I'm like how could you do that and then I'm like oh hello I've been in my own business for that long but I think the joy is that I've been morphing iterating as you have also had to do you know pivoting depending on you know external and internal factors and lifestyle which I really want to get to so yeah my latest book is called Startup to Scale Up and um it's probably 21 years in the making around kind of everything I have learned through all these years in business about how to ideate and how to start and how to actually take it through without going under and having a great lifestyle in the process. You know, one of the things that has always inspired me about you is your openness about your own personal journey. And it, it's an ageless journey because it's something that so many of us can relate to. Um, sometimes you're ahead of us and sometimes we're on that journey trajectory at the same time as you. Interestingly enough, I launched my first business and I've been working for myself since 2001 also. And I thought um, it must be about the same. Yes, yeah. yes. So, um, and and within that career, which I call, you know, my um, entrepreneurial career, I've had so many iterations, so many businesses and business ideas within um, businesses, and it also came from necessity, either financial or environmental or market, but also from you know, what was inside me, because I've changed so much in that time, so much. And so one of the things that I've always admired you is your ability to catch yourself before decay. And I think that that's one of the really interesting um, things about your career and business, that you uh, have this innate ability to self-regenerate and to um, as you said before, and, you know, word that's now so used, pivot, uh, yes. before before it, you know, it, you're forced to, I guess. You, you've now developed this intuitive guide within you. Um, tell me how that's come about and, you know, if you've had any mentors that have really um, supported that intuitive process. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so I think there's many things and yeah, thank you. I will always talk about anything. Pretty much nothing is off limits, but a lot of it has been almost counterintuitive in terms of my greatest successes or pivots or, you know, times of change have come out of um, times of adversity. So 
really, when I go through all of my highlights throughout my life and my career, they started as really low points and really challenging points. So, and we can unpick any and all of these, but uh, I started my first business in 2001 because essentially I got fired in the kindest way possible. And my boss at the time was just like, you need to go and fly, you know, because I was trying to kind of control everything and do it my way. And so that was was amazing and that led me to starting my own business um in 2001 in 2004 I gave up drinking alcohol so I haven't had a drink for 17 and a half years or whatever that is now um and that was a really pivotal a pivotal point in my life because I was self-sabotaging keeping myself small holding myself back and so having the kind of ability to finally look at myself and what my triggers were and pain points and why I was using alcohol as a crutch really actually catapulted me into quite an extraordinary accidental career. It's when I wrote my first book in 2004 called Happiness Is, which was really um, a search for what does happiness mean? And I went around Australia asking people that and that kind of accidentally on purpose launched me into a publishing career and we've now done I think I've authored I don't even know 38 books or something and we've done over 60 products through Collective Hub in the last two years and we did 54 issues of a print magazine and also published a lot of books for other people over the years so that really all came out of that point of adversity and then another great pivot or moment was in 2017 when I mean, there have been many in between divorces and breakups and all sorts of other stuff. But in 2017, in a business sense, I was probably at the peak of my brand, Collective Hub. I had a print magazine, as is well documented now, in 37 countries, and it was flying. And, you know, I had people like Anna Wintour flying me to New York to meet with her, and it was extraordinary except behind the scenes I'd scaled too fast and made so many mistakes and so as a result, I was hemorrhaging cash and I found myself almost where I was when I, well, prior to giving up drinking, ironically, back on the bathroom floor, like crying every night. And so that was also horrific, but amazing at the same time, because it actually forced me to go, okay, how do I rethink this? What is my purpose? How do I rise again? So I always really encourage people to lean into those moments of adversity, which at the time are often, you know, excruciating and you think, how can I get through this? But I've now learned over many, many years of failures <laughs> to actually use that pain point and that, um, you know, that time and space to kind of reboot and send me on another trajectory. I'm going to catch you there because, again, you know, we've had these kind of parallel experiences on a, on a few things. Um, so, you know, you started your business in your 30s. Um, not only have you had the wisdom of experience, but you learn about your body and your physical, emotional and mental capacity um, in having your own business, in having those big life experiences. Um, quitting drinking is now, you know, something that in all of the experts that I research or I speak to, one of the key things that they say, you know, is addiction are going to aid you any addiction, whether it be uh, addiction to working and adrenal stress, uh, addiction to substances, uh, uh, or emotional addictions of any sort. They're, they're the actual, the biggest predictor of aging. 
um, mm. that we can have. And I know that I've looked back on photos uh, of myself in high stress periods when I was, you know, building a business. I, I'm 48 now and I look back at photos of me at 33 and I look older at 33 than mm. I do at 48. I certainly, I remember going on a girl's trip to Shanghai and we were at this beautiful bar and it was maybe 10 o'clock at night and someone went to the bar to get a drink and I fell asleep on the couch because I had tapped out from a, mm. a, adrenal fatigue. And my friends used to always tease me that I would always want to go to bed early. And that was because I was absolutely spent. Mm. And I've had my, you know, crouching on the bathroom floor moments too, whether it be, you know, from all sorts of different things. But the thing that I've learned in certainly in the past five or six years is that without the physical and cellular vigor and well-being, no amount of business ideas, no amount of joie de vivre is going to get me over the line. At some mm. point, you have to actually be a fit and well unit and mm. you have to exist in the world from a place of vitality because I, like you, want to have a, a really thriving and exciting and fulfilled life in the next part of my life. And I knew that, you know, addressing all of the emotional, physical health and vitality stuff was key. And I'm, I see you explore so much of that in your own life. You know, on Instagram, I, I see you do marathons and ice baths and you've got a retreat. <laughs> Tell me when that piece like really clicked for you. Well, I love this. Thank you. And thank you for putting this podcast out. I think it's just so important. And a word you just said, which I love, is vitality. Um, the piece probably clicked for me, I think, through my 20s. I mean, through my 20s, I was drinking so much so that I kind of almost write that decade off, sadly, and feel like I needed to catch up. Sorry, there's that truck again. Um, through my 30s, I think I was fortunate um, that I didn't probably have to do a lot to keep myself looking okay. Although certainly the alcoholism had taken its toll and I'm like you probably as well. I look back on photos and think, oh my gosh, who is that? Um, and I think it was probably like uh, late thirties. I was just like, I just want to give, well, in fact, it's even before that. It was really when I gave up drinking and I was like, I just want to, you know, give everything um, to my life. And I'd spent a lot of my 20s very suicidal. And I think when I made a conscious decision to put down the alcohol and start doing the work, that's when I kind of was like, okay, I want to live this. And so, um, and I really believe a lot of it is around mindset. I remember I took up surfing when I was like 33 or something. And a, a woman that I worked with at the time was like, oh, my dear, you're too old to do that. And I remember thinking, what? So I've always thought it's very much around mindset. And just, you know, for me, consciously and very purposely, every single day I try and throw myself into some kind of counterintuitive situation and I try and push my body to its absolute limits. And one thing, you know, as I'm getting older in years, I certainly my thing is I always want to be the person who says, hey, let's go rock climbing. Okay, yep, let's do it. Let's play squash, which I just started doing. Okay, let's do it. Let's do this. Let's do it. So I'm really pushing myself all the time, whether it be, you know, 
jumping off a bridge that I recently did in um, Brunswick Heads with some kids and I loved it or swinging off ropes with my niece or whatever it is. Um, on the weekend, I went to Orange Theory to try that out. I've been doing Barry's boot camp. I've got a personal trainer, um, soft sand running in the mornings, like you name it, I would try it. And my um, mental and my physical body, um, you know, in unison are really, really important to me because that's the only way when I put my health, you know, first that everything else can flow from that. So yeah, it's, it's so imperative for me. And I feel fitter and I am fitter and healthier than I've been in my entire life, which I love. <laughs> it's really interesting because I think that um, it's wonderful to have someone like you on the show because it reminds everyone that it's never too late. You know, I, my favorite um, thing that I always say to myself is every day is New Year's Day because yeah. I believe that, you know, we make the big decisions and we often have the, you know, um, fork in the road moment on New Year's Eve or that time of the year. But what if, you know, you committed to your best body, your best mind, your best skin, your best intellect, your best relationship, every day, any day, like if you chose from today, and it doesn't matter whether you're, you know, in your 40s or 30s or 50s or 80s, as uh, Professor Sinclair's father was, you can make a lot of changes. Now, I, I've experienced that. And you've just, you know, explained that you've experienced exactly that, that you, you're fitter now than you were mm -hmm. in, you know, in your late 20s or 30s, when you had an alcohol addiction. I'd never exercised until I was in my 40s. And now I do Barry's boot camp and I train and I'm the fittest yeah. and healthiest and most energized, which I think is like such a nice marker for youth that I've ever been. And, you know, my daughter says, mom, you know, you, you, you feel so young. You look so young, mommy. You know, you look younger than the other mummies. It's because I feel young. And I, I worked so hard to get to that place. And now there's nothing in the world that would stop me from, you know, carving out time in my day to make sure that, you know, I do meditate, that I do um, exercise because what it gives back to me is so valuable um, that it's, you know, it's worth the getting up early or the sacrifice at the time or whatever. But you've mm. met some incredible, um, you know, Peter Pans and, and uh, revolutionary people and uh, as you know you mentioned Anna Wintour before but I know that you were a guest of uh, Richard Branson on Necker Island and he really is to me you know an ageless icon <laughs> yeah. what did you learn from him so many things but just also drawing on what you said before this vitality piece I also don't take a single day for granted like I just did um, a beautiful bar body class with my friend Emma a couple of days ago and as she was taking the class she said you know uh, and you mentioned the word meditation like let's just meditate on the fact that we are able to be here and that we were, we are able to move and I really don't take that for granted you know any day and before I get on to Richard um, my mom is 76 she does yoga every day and she walks every day and the woman is more bendable than a pretzel like she's extraordinary so she's such a role model for me because I think oh mom this is amazing and um, I follow 
a lot of extraordinary, you know, women on social media, like Train With Joan, who I think 76 and only took up like lifting weights a few years ago and is just such an amazing woman to watch. And you will know when I had um, Iris Upnell on my cover of Collective Hub years ago, I think she was like 95 at the time and it was like one of our top three best-selling covers ever. So there's so many people that I look to who are just aging so well and continuing to live. Because sometimes any one of us, myself included, can be like, oh my gosh, I'm getting old. Like it's time slipping away. You know, time is our only finite resource. So I'm, I'm acutely aware of it every day, which also keeps me accountable and doing my best life. So on to Richard. Um, yes, I have been fortunate enough to meet amazing people. And it was, um, two, uh, when was it? October 2014 that I was invited to go to Necker Island. So a long time ago before, you know, people started taking sort of tours and things over there. And uh, Richard since then became a good friend and we've since um, shared a stage together five times. So um, in Brisbane and Sydney and various places, which I feel very fortunate. That's been a, a long time sort of building and nurturing that very important relationship. And he's an extraordinary human, but he is someone that, you know, and he's ageless. He really <laughs> epitomizes yeah. the ageless philosophy and, and um, he lives it. He really does. And I think, again, I come back to mindset, you know, he truly believes that anything is possible and that we should push our limits and, you know, just gets out there and does it. And it's not until, you know, we can all create some social media persona, but having spent a lot of time with him, you know, on Makepeace Island, which is his private island in Australia and on Necker and in various other locations around the world now, I know for sure he is the first one to get up and go, you know, windsurfing or do anything, you know, and he'll beat most of us at anything that he does. And he does the Strive Challenge every year, which if you follow that is phenomenal. Um, yeah, so he certainly is um, living the ageless lifestyle. <laughs> And, you know, another aspect, I guess, of you mentioned mindfulness, which I completely agree with, and I've tested it on myself, you know, there's no bigger laboratory in my life than my own life. And, um, <laughs> and, you know, when you do have that correct mindset, and when you have that um, age, I don't want to say youthful, because I, I really think it's ageless um, uh, mindset, it really expands your life being ageless because it it means that wherever you are there's a lot ahead of you and there's you know there might be a lot behind you but there's so much ahead of you um yeah. and so when you come you know from that point of view uh like you said you can write 36 books you can launch a new career you can take a sabbatical you can retrain because you you don't say I'm midlife or I'm old or I'm young or too young. Too young is also, you know, a very real thing. I remember um, John McGrath, the amazing real estate expert and uh, who has been an amazing mentor to me. I remember he said to me one time, Baha, if you're good enough, you're old enough. Because I had massive imposter syndrome as, uh, you know, a young woman. I had I got my MBA when I was 21, but I didn't fill those shoes. And I was always anxious about proving my um, the reason that I was at the table and I was at the meeting. So that was a really wonderful gift he gave to me as a young person. But now, you know, as someone who's 48, 
I look to people younger than me and older than me in biological age, but I think being ageless means that, you know, you've got all the time in the world and you can reinvent. On the physical wellness, what what did sobriety change in your neurological health? And what can you actually see that's different about you versus people who are still heavily drinking in terms of brain health, mind health, clarity? Yeah, it's a great question. And I mean, my story is my story and everyone's story is unique. But um, what's really important for me is there isn't, even though it's been 17 and a half years since I put down the alcohol, there isn't a moment. Um, so for example, last night I was out at um, dinner with some friends. There was eight of us. Um, the way to put wine glasses in front of all of us straight away, I turned mine upside down. So there are a lot of inbuilt rituals and routines that I've purposely done throughout the years that I love. And the beautiful thing about that is it constantly is a reminder of, um, you know, that I am an, I still identify all these years later as an alcoholic, even though I haven't been to an AA meeting for 10 years or something. <laughs> but I, I, um, that is definitely my journey. So I very consciously all the time remind myself, you know, this is the path that I could have gone down. And this is how close I am to, you know, re potentially um, taking that lifestyle back on again. So again, there's not a day that I don't go um, through where I don't, where I'm not grateful for where I'm at. Um, what I would say about that is it's, so it does, I play with the thoughts. I go, I wonder, you know, interesting, if I drank now, what would I be like? Surely I'm, you know, processed enough and I've dealt with all my demons and understand my triggers and, you know. Because you went to the Hoffman um, Institute, right? <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been through the Hoffman process twice now. Because I'd so love I've to ask lot, you about that, yeah. Yeah, so I've done a lot of work on myself, but at the core of it, um, there isn't a cell in my body that thinks I would ever want to drink again because it, for me personally it's been the greatest gift being able to put down the alcohol and put in the work and I just um I don't miss it at all and I've adapted I think so the beautiful thing is that um you know if I go to a wedding or a party or anything I will be the first one every single time guaranteed on the dance floor or dancing on a table or whatever else and also the vitality piece I think I used alcohol as a crutch and a you know at the time I had a very low self-esteem no real semblance of who I was or what my purpose was um no emotional intelligence and so what I did was I drank to, you know, to mask that and to utilize it as a crutch to give me that Dutch courage or whatever. So now I just don't need it. And I just love that because it means in any given situation, I feel like I can present as the best version of me. And if things come at us as they do to all of us that kind of throw me off balance or a bit unhinged then I kind of don't need to lean into the alcohol I've got other tools that I've learned over the years to combat that and I mean addiction is extraordinarily rife in our society and so I'm glad that I dealt with that it doesn't mean I think a lot of people get it wrong around addiction they go oh wow you stopped drinking great life must be amazing no I stopped drinking then I had to do like a lot of work and years of therapy and 
things like the Hoffman process and like, you know, I've done a lot of crazy um, work in the name of self-development all over the planet from crawling through sweat lodges nude in Costa Rica to spending, you know, three weeks at a time in the Osho meditation resort in India. And, you know, I've done a lot of stuff. Um, I feel fairly well balanced now all these years later, but yeah. So on a day-to-day basis what are can, talk me through kind of your rituals um that give you vitality focus um that make you feel younger and um uh, and prettier yeah so the prettier thing is so interesting because i this is where i probably feel like imposter syndrome because so many of our friends and you you know have these um, extraordinary beauty routines and i just i don't know i feel like i've missed that um that piece in my DNA. I, I've just always been terrible at knowing how to do my own hair. But or... you play with it. Like we see you, you know, have <laughs> yeah. a fun new haircut and, and lean into it, even though it may be a little bit uncomfortable for you. You've definitely yeah. kind of played with that. Or, you know, I remember when you were an editor at uh, Collective Hub, you know, you you would be, you did have a stylist, you would get dressed, you would have a makeup artist. So I think it's, you know, you've played with it. <laughs> I don't do, and I, and I laugh, and I think this is one of the beautiful things about, you know, stepping into different iterations at our, in our life, you know, at maybe like slightly later stages is that never in my wildest dreams when I launched a print magazine, I kind of launched it, as you know, to tell the stories of like amazing entrepreneurs and incredible thought leaders and to give voice to so many and to inspire and educate so many. And then not for a minute did I think I would step into this world of being an editor and and being invited to all these, you know, glamorous events and like, and so I did and I, and I still do very much, you know, I'm an ambassador for Purology at the moment, which I thought was hysterical when they came to me, you know, it's a beautiful shampoo by L'Oreal, but I was like, okay, wow, amazing that they believe in a little old me to do that. And then I did chop off my hair and it's been so much fun. Um, yeah, but in terms of beauty, I guess, I mean, I, yeah, so the funny thing is at my age and stage at the moment, I have so many pimples. I feel like that's because we've been through 16 rounds of IVF, which is a whole nother story. Yeah, I was going to talk to um, you about fertility, absolutely. Yeah, but for me, I mean, to be honest, I go to Maddie's Spa or Double Bay with Maddie and they say, whatever you need me to do, I'll do it. And I just behave And so myself. what have you done? <laughs> In terms of... Uh, a treat because aesthetic treatments injectables threads prp i know we've had maddie on the show she's incredible she really understands the skin so well she she's quite an innovator herself and look if she walks her talk she looks amazing i know so on that and maybe this is maybe this is a good different lesson for people because you don't have to be good at everything and you don't have to understand everything so I literally go to Maddie and I say what do I need done help me and Maddie says these are the products you need to use and these are the things you need to do and um yeah and I kind of try not to go overboard but I have some Botox I have some injectables she actually did something in the back of my hands recently isn't it fun when you get your hands done Gosh, it's such a game changer. It's like, oh, I'm back. Yeah. And so 
I feel like, I mean, I feel like this is a, a massive conversation around, you know, aging, but it is the piece around, um, you know, I'm not going to try and fight to, to look youthful forever, but it certainly doesn't help hurt to have a little bit of help. Um, and I want to just feel vital and fabulous as long as I possibly can. So certainly having experts like Maddie in my life are amazing and, you know, they support me with the things that I really don't understand how to do. So, yeah. <laughs> you said you had a trainer and you have, you know, you try lots of different exercises. Mm. Is there anything that's kind of really a non-negotiable for you in terms of biohacking? So, you know, cold therapy, meditation. Yes. Um, any of your morning rituals? Because I know you've you've published a lot on that space. So I'm curious yeah. as to what's remained as a non-negotiable in your life. Heaps of things, and I don't always get it right. But what I would definitely say is, for me, meditation has been a huge part. Um, because again, I'm not naturally a still person. I'm a like, let's go, let's go, let's go. And so again, and I've used this word quite a few times, counterintuitive to my norm. I make myself you know be slow and still um so yeah so I'm trained in PM for transcendental meditation which is 20 minutes twice a day I do not do that but I do my own form of that I've also spent um two three weeks stints so six weeks in total in the Osho Meditation Center in India, where um, you literally meditate up to 17 hours a day, but a whole lot of different meditations. So I've done laughing meditations and crying meditations and dance meditations and Kundalini and like loads of different things. So now um, I just meditate in my own way, however I'm feeling. And, often and are you still- consistent with that practice? Is that something that's a non-negotiable in your rituals? Yeah. Yeah, so so every day I sort of divide my day into two essentially. So before 10 a.m., it's me time. So that is when I meditate, journal, exercise, listen to podcasts and kind of consume things for me, so the incoming stuff. And then after 10 a.m., it's game on. It's like the reactive stuff. And that's how I've kind of learned. And that doesn't work for everyone. You know, other people have children or other priorities. But for me, that's how I've kind of gone, okay, I can ground myself and earth myself and fill myself up. Um, find body mind you know soul in the mornings and then I can kind of give back for the rest of the day so that's generally what works for me so meditation journaling um, I do have always a personal trainer so we've been living um, since August 2021 between Bangalore and Sydney so in Sydney I have my personal trainer Todd in Bangalore I have um, someone called Jaden and you know that's generally a three times a week thing. And then I kind of supplement it with just trying different things. So like you, it sounds, I'm pretty obsessed with berries at the moment. Um, I was never a runner. Me too. Uh, Tony, Tony got me onto running um, in 2020 and soft set. I'm not into running and I'm, well, I wasn't into running and I was not into early mornings. And suddenly I found myself at 5.45 a.m., running along the beach I was like who am I (laughs) so what I would say is um try lots of different things and then work out you know what you love so for me at the moment it's berries I also love doing bar or yoga class um 
Stephen and I just went to uh, Hayman Island a few weeks ago and they had so many different activities. We started playing squash, which I've never done. And I was like, I love this. So I think the trick with exercise and movement is just finding things that you really love. There are certain things I really don't like. And so if that was what I was forced to do every day, I just wouldn't exercise. So I find things that are fun and excite me and, you know, take me out of my comfort zone a little bit and things where I can see and feel results. Have you ever gone and tried anything that you were too scared to do when you were younger? Yeah, probably like surfing although I'm still I mean I can stand up but I I kind of just go straight I can stand and I go straight so I mean I just started that when I was like 30 something and I haven't really been back since but I feel like I'm one of those people who can do everything relatively well but I'm not good at anything particularly so um golf I surprise myself every time I pick up a golf club I'm like wow I can actually really hit this quite well so I just try lots of things all the time because as I said, when we started, I literally want to be, if someone says, hey, let's try this. I never want to be someone in life who, who, in, who in my mind straight away goes, oh, I can't do that. I'm not fit enough or I don't feel great in myself or I couldn't actually do that. I want to be able to say a big fat hell yes to pretty much anything. So at the moment, I feel like I can. And so yeah, I'm constantly pushing myself into really strange situations. <laughs> what about for neuroplasticity? I mean, you said that, you know, you've got a high energy personality. You're obviously extremely creative and you are prolific also. What what have you learned is really great for keeping your mind sharp? Uh, you know, do, do you have sleep rituals? Do you do Sudoku? Do you do anything to kind of develop your creativity and mind or mindfulness other than meditation? Um, I think I, so I always kind of describe myself in a business sense as the brand architect. So I'm always the one, like I have no shortage of ideas. So I'm always coming up with, these are what we're going to create, or this is what I'm going to do, or, you know, I'll put myself into any situation. I mean, um, the floods, horrible in New South Wales I mean we've had a few iterations of this but let's call it a month ago um you know I don't have a skill set there but I jump in so I try and keep myself active and learning and pushing myself into kind of leadership or creative roles all the time so I feel like that keeps me kind of alert and on my game so I mean, I'm an avid reader. I'm an avid, you know, listener to podcasts. I'm kind of always, you know, testing myself and questioning things and bucking the status quo and being curious. Um, in terms of Sudoku and things like that, I I haven't yet found the patience or the, I don't know, I feel like it's probably time to test myself in other ways like that. And and actually what I would say to people, and I'm saying this to myself more than anyone right now, is lean into the things where you think, oh, I could be a bit stupid at that, or I don't feel good enough, or I'm feeling like an imposter. Um, because I think sometimes things are really difficult when we begin, and then you push, I push myself a little bit, and then I'm like, oh, I've got that. Wow, I really surprised myself around that. One of the things that I've learned from you and I have done all my life, but you articulated it so well, is the concept of failing fast. And I think that, you know, as you gain life experience and maturity and wisdom, 
one of the best things that you can do is to take a leap out of your book and and follow this advice, which is the concept of failing fast. And that can be in any aspect of your life, whether it's relationships, because God knows you don't want to be four years into a toxic relationship to find out that, you know, you should have left him at month one uh, Mm -hmm. or in a business that's, you know, economically draining you rather than nurturing and supporting you and growing or a health pursuit that really isn't your cup of tea. So you're not going to keep up with it. Talk to us about the concept of failing fast and how you apply it um, and how you've applied it in each kind of major decade of your life. Ah, So, yeah, I mean, I think it's one of the most imperative things that we can do because, and I'll try and dig into some examples, there are so many reasons that we can tell ourselves to continue on with something. And that's often an investment of time or money. And it's kind of like, oh, but I've already spent, you know, in the relationship thing. Oh, but <laughs> but I'm already three months in or three years in, you know, he's going to change when. I'll just keep going. I've invested so much time. And I think that happens a lot. And I've certainly been guilty of that um or in a business sense and I'm also oftentimes guilty of this you kind of go I mean I was going to do a two years ago in between kind of collective hub what it was and what it is now and I didn't kind of know what I was going to do next I started playing around with um a pet product like so creating a sort of whole range of pet products and I trademarked the business and I kind of got samples made overseas and I went quite far down and I spent about 53,000 well I spent exactly $53,000 so it was a relative investment at the time and then I just was like what am I doing like this is not on purpose for me this is not aligned with who I am right now and so I allowed myself to fail now I when I took longer than I often would, um, but I just decided it doesn't matter how much time and money I've put into this. This doesn't feel right. It feels like walking through mud as opposed to being in flow. I'm just going to cut this off. Now, that's not to say that I might not do that. And I may do it in 2024 for various reasons. And that's kind of mapped out because we've got great distribution now. So it may feed into that, but it wasn't the right time and place. Um, Just this morning, I had a meeting with my head of content, Tara, who now looks after um, a lot of our, we're going into kind of a luxe range, so coffee table style books. And we've been playing in the last week with a cook, uh, like a cookbook kind of thing. And then this morning, I just went, no, 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 this book's all wrong. Like, that is not my thing. Um, We started talking about having to get recipe testers and food stylists and I was like no 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 it's totally inauthentic to me I would just like slap it together and like that would be the thing so we just changed that again so I feel like too many of us get attached yeah so I I think resources invested in terms of time and money but also attachment and identity and ego can get wrapped up in things and so I'm constantly checking myself around why am I doing this and it's okay to say no and these are the reasons why and I'm forever (laughs) explaining to my team or my family or whoever oh because because I'm also if anyone sees me I spring out of the box and Stephen my fiance says oh my god like you come up with an idea in the morning and by lunchtime you've pretty much activated it so because I've moved that fast 
I also have to fail that fast because sometimes I'll be like, let's go. And the let's go piece of it is really, it serves me very, very well because it means I don't have time to be fearful. I act a lot on gut instinct. A lot of the time now, because that's well honed, I get it right. But it also means that I often fail because I go, let's go. And then I'm like, okay, okay, just thought through that. That doesn't make sense financially. That's not on brand. That's not, not fulfilling my purpose. Actually, that's not the best use of my time. That's too much input versus output. Like lots of things like that. So I'm constantly failing, just I'm failing fast most of the time. And how do you wind down? Because, you know, anyone who's listening to this or watching you can see that you are so on and energetic and on purpose and um, energized. What happens when um, the battery starts running low? How do you, how do you make it stop um, at your own kind of control? And how do you re-energize? It is a great question. So I think that has been very much a lifestyle choice. And after 17 years of having a bricks and mortar office in April, 2018, I closed the office before we were all sent home to work. So I was kind of like accidentally ahead of the curve. But you I even wrote like, a book about it. Yes, I did work from wherever. Mm. <laughs> and then the now of work, You manifested yeah. it. You manifested the work from home. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, I think it's also really for me about recognizing what my strengths and what my weaknesses are. And um, when I'm on, I'm on, but I'm also, and then people always think this is a weird thing. There's actually a word for this. I can't think of it, but I'm actually an introvert more than an extrovert. So I kind of, um, I re fuel myself a lot or it is when I'm sort of by myself or in my own company now that can be running on the treadmill at Barry's or meditating or you know being able to curl up at night and read a good book or watch Netflix but I do a lot of stuff on my own and in my own company because for me what I've learned over the years is I can be on a stage in front of 7,000 people or whatever it is, and I can be out there and I can be big and I can be leading from the front with my team or, you know, jumping into crisis like the floods is probably where I shine the most ridiculously because that is not a learned thing. It's an intuitive thing. Um, but then I have to absolutely go back into myself to recalibrate and really go, you know, slow, still, inward um, in order to be able to be on and outward because all of us I mean everyone probably has experienced this at some point if not right now like burnout and you know adrenal fatigue and all of these things I have experienced way too many times and they are real and we just cannot run at that optimum level all the time without a holistic approach to our health and for me the absolute not negotiables are the things we've discussed the mindfulness the meditation the you know the going inward the um the movement the you know what I eat the nutritional stuff what I put into my body what do you eat talk, talk <laughs> Tell me about your diet and nutrition and supplements. Do you, you know, do you go to an anti-aging or a performance doctor? Do you invest in, um, you know, having regular blood tests and um, having your biomarkers checked? Because I know that most people, you know, in that performance industry, the ultimate luxury, the, the pinnacle of wealth is their health and their performance. And a lot of this anti-aging conversation comes from um, athletes and also executive performance 
Um, mm. So I'm curious as to, you know, what do you do? What have you learned? What works for you? Um, so I think just, and I am not always good at it, but I think just eating as clean as possible is one of the biggest things. And I've toyed with, you know, various different things over the years, but I just, what I really come back to is just trying to eat as clean as possible. Um, you know, just a lot of fish and a lot of greens and a lot of eat the rainbow <laughs> and all of that kind of thing and trying to drink a lot of water, which I've always been terrible at. Um, and then, yeah, just having kind of regular checkups and things. In terms of supplements, I am on zero supplements at the moment. And the reason for that is... Um, it's kind of a big one. I just needed a break because um, I've been doing IVF for seven years and um, we did 16 cycles. And so, but alongside all of the injections and tablets and nasal sprays and everything else that I've had poked into my body, um, I also did um, a whole lot of Chinese um, medicine for a couple of years with Lily Lu, who's in Surrey Hills. And I think at one point I was taking 90 tablets a day with her and a whole lot of different um, herbal things. I've worked with Dr. Peter Bablis, who's in Double Bay, who again put me on, a, I don't know, let's call it 47 tablets a day. <laughs> like I've had so much through that journey. And um, and I just felt like I was really starting to rattle. And so I just, for a while, I'm just like, I can't touch another tablet or another supplement. I just need like a break from everything. So that's kind of where I'm at at the moment. So um, if you put together kind of all of the things that you've, you've learned, you, you know, you have your own, um, what I'm hearing that you keep saying is that you, have reached a point where you're intuitively guided internally whilst you might seek, you know, external experts to help you. You're now at a phase in your life where you know what your body needs in terms of exercise. Um, you change the pace of your life according to your energy levels, your moods, your needs, your goals. And the mm. same holds true for how you treat your body. I think, yeah, thank you. I think so. And there will come a time probably within the next three to six months where I will definitely kind of go on a whole, you know, let's go through supplements and different things to support that. But just at the moment, because of this like crazy seven year journey, I was just like, I just need like nothing else in my body for a while. Um, so, yeah. So if your 30s were about giving up addiction, your 40s were about, um, you know, creation and um, achieving, you know, some new goals and your 50s are about peace and, you know, following your passion, what do you envisage your 60s and 70s will be dedicated to? Oh, my God. You see, the thing is, I still don't have my, I still, I've been fighting for a long time the notion of a number associated with Me too. age um and I really think we really let's talk in decades then so what do you see for yourself um, <laughs> where your energy will go in the next decade because you you know you're in your latest book what you're really calling out is a new global trend so that's going mm. to impact I guess the way you do life as well that nomadic mm. experience that ability to you know take your passion and turn it into a business what yeah. do you think that's going to look like for you 
Yeah, I, and I don't want to shy away from the conversation because I think it's an important one to have the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 100s. Like, you know, and it's just about, I think it's about changing the vernacular and the way that we view things as opposed to, you know, if if so many other things um, in, you know, 2022 can be fluid, then I also think why can't age as a number be fluid? And that's kind of another right. thing that I'm really passionate about. Um, moving forward, though, I think that's a book we'll do together there. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's just a really, it's something that I've really been exploring lately because I don't want to in any way, shape or form when I'm feeling my most vital um, because of societal preconceptions be put on the sidelines or out to pasture because you're just this. So I think it's such an important conversation and certainly I've not experienced that in any way, shape or form, but maybe it's because I often do not talk about my age so I don't know um what it looks like moving forward I think what's really important for me is every single day every single day I ask myself what's my purpose because you see so many I see too, too many people who are 70 or 60 or 40 or any age but more so later in life and I say to them wow why do you do what you do and too often people say to me oh I don't know like, you know, if they're a dentist or something, oh, I don't know, I just, I don't know, I guess I was 20 and someone offered me a job and I fell into it. And, and I hear too many repeats of that kind of conversation where people haven't consciously um, every day questioned themselves and where they want to be. And I feel like time does slip away so quickly that every single day I want to keep checking in. What's my purpose? Am I living to the most optimum level I can live? Am I still vital? Am I feeling at my my peak performance levels so for me it's about continuing to explore challenge um you know seek is a big word for me and continue to like live a large life and live that out loud it's also a lot now after you know 21 years of having my own business or nearly 21 years um it's a lot about allowing myself the time and space to explore other pursuits beyond just work um the problem is I love work so much and but I also have put myself in a position where I can explore other pursuits and turn them into content and into books so the two don't need to be mutually exclusive and I would really encourage everyone listening to this to allow yourselves I ran a workshop the other day and I asked all the women in the group what are three things you love doing? What are three hobbies you love? None of them could really answer it. Um, so I'm really challenging myself to just play, you know, play with a whole lot of different things and see where it lands. Well, I, as you said before, there's so many things that, you know, we could deep dive into. It was such a great conversation with you. It always is. I love um, your commitment to rejuvenation in your career, in your life. Um, and I see it manifest physically in, you know, you look happier and more radiant than a long, you know, uh, when I first met you, I, if I'm going to be absolutely honest, you look more yourself and, um, and there's so much to learn from this conversation. It was wonderful to have you on the show and so good to see you. Oh, it's so beautiful to connect with you. I, it's hard that we have to wait till we do a podcast or something to catch up. So that's another thing. Friendships are very, very important moving forward and making more time for the important things like that. Yeah, well, we all learned a lot. And I think like what for me, what's interesting, what I'd like to see in the next decade of my life is how 
um, I'm able to put into effect the amazing um, lessons of the past few years, because I really feel like beyond the pandemic, the past few years were the biggest, most seismic shifts in my consciousness and my commitment to having an amazing next half of my life. Before I finish, I, there was a question that I wanted to ask you. Um, did you have a midlife crisis and do you believe in midlife crises? <laughs> I feel like I've had many midlife crises. <laughs> I mean, it's it depends what you define as midlife. There's certainly been to, like, you know, a lot of things that I've experienced that have been points of adversity in say the last 10 years. Um, but it's more so now about being acutely aware of time um, is what I would say. And so no major crises, but certainly um, some kind of emphasis on time is finite. And so, you know, you better make the most of it kind of thing. And I think, you know, we, yeah, I think that's probably the most important thing. I haven't had a crisis as such, but I'm certainly more aware of how I want to spend my time. And to finish off, I'll ask you a question. How long would you like to live to? If if you could have your health span match your lifespan, what would be, what how how far into the future do you see you having a really beautiful, vital, um, well life? See, isn't that interesting? I just look at Iris, who I think she just turned a hundred. Exactly. <laughs> and and she is still you know the face of amazing campaigns she's still like got this huge social media presence she still seems to be having a hell of a lot of fun so I feel like that is a nice you know age as long as I still have my health and you know I will do my absolute darndest to continue to have that as long as possible um yeah so let's let's go for 101. Fantastic. Well, the good news is the science is with us. There is so many things happening so rapidly to support that. And it was, as I said, it was absolutely wonderful to have you on the show. Um, and I look forward to seeing you in real life. Thank you, my beautiful friend. Wow. <laughs> have a great day. Bye. Ageless by Rescue is brought to you by Rescue Me Academy, Reignite Your Relationship course. Love your relationship but miss the early days? You're not alone. This course will teach you how to identify your issues, stop the fighting, find what you need to be happy, re-spark intimacy and keep the lines of communication open. Join us at rescuemeacademy.com.au to learn more about the program and to download your first free lesson. I hope you enjoyed this episode and if you did, please share and rate this episode. I'd love that. 